Welcome to the Hanover Valley Podcast, a ministry of Hanover Valley Presbyterian Church. We are located at 133 Carlisle Street in downtown Hanover, Pennsylvania. Check out the rest of our website at hanovervalley.org. Thank you for listening. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were, tr- who were treated as so. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and he will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And he, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. This is God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we look into your word. Lord, your word, it tells us, uh, it, says, it says of your word that it is, that there are words of life and of grace, and that they are sharper to cut to the very heart of things. And Lord, I pray that you would cut to the heart of us today, that you would give us your grace and your truth, and that they would be words of life to us. Encourage us, Father, to live faithful to you, to remind us of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was thinking this week how... um, how powerful uh, the memory is. Um, and it, it, I think the mem- our memories are so powerful we f- and, so, um, and our memories are so, as it were, ubiquitous, so we rely on our memories so effortlessly we forget how powerful it is. Um, we, we carry around our phones um, in order to stimulate our memory. The re- and, and I say that because all of your phones, all of our phones, they have, pic- they have cameras. And why, why, do we, why do we carry around cameras? Because we want to take pictures. We want to take pictures to save a memory, to, to save a moment so that we can, not, not that we're necessarily going to forget about it uh, because, you know, the moments that we save, um, you know, I'm not going to forget my grandchildren. I'm not going to forget uh, I'm not going to forget the, the prom. I'm not going to forget the, you know, the new car. I'm not going to forget that beautiful, that beautiful sunrise. Uh, that memory will be there, but we want to have that image that can trigger the memory. Memory is very powerful in that respect. And so we, and, 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 and there's a sense where um, it's also, it's powerful at both ends of the spectrum, the memory. God gave us, God gave us a memory uh, which, uh, but our memories go in, in different directions. It saves the wonderful times, but memory also saves the hard times. It saves, it saves the good and the bad. It saves all of life, as it were. It's that, it's that powerful, emotionally stimulating, triggering aspect of our minds and of our hearts. Why, why is memory so powerful? What does it do for us? You ever thought about that? There's a sense where memories... Um, even now, just a particular example. Um, I said, I've said a couple of times this week to a couple of people, whether it was elders or whether it was, or whether it was people in my life or my, my own family, I, what, and maybe you said this, I just want to go back to the way it was. 
We're two weeks into this. I just want to go back to a regular schedule. I want to go back to regular ideas. I want to, why do I want to go back? Why, what is that? That's, a, that's me evoking memory. It's me evoking the way it used to be. It's evoking that sense of, of, uh, of how it used to be, the greater time, the better time. Why is nostalgia so powerful and so important? Because there's a sense where when we, when we think fondly of the past, when we think, when we go back and retrieve those wonderfully warm moments, those wonderfully warm uh, uh, aspects and experiences of our past, it helps us in this moment of difficulty to feel like there's still hope in this hard moment and the writer of Hebrews does the same thing he said he describes a situation that the people were in he says do you remember the days and he and he causes them to remember both both extremes of the, the negatives do you remember how it was and do you remember how you handled it do you remember how it was in terms of the circumstances and do you remember how you handled it do you remember the way life was during those days. And he says, in this capacity, what should we expect in this world? There's a sense where when the writer of Hebrews looks back, he says, this is what we should expect about our world. And he gives us several of those. And I want to draw your attention to some of the words he uses in verse 32 and following. He says, remember those early days after you received, received the light, when you stood your ground in, great, in a great contest in face in the face of suffering so what should we expect in this world in this broken world what should we expect that we will have to face regardless of our circumstances he says verse 32 what should you expect suffering so if you're suffering if you're in a difficult moment if you're experiencing hardship and certainly all of us are experiencing a very common thread of hardship currently but each of us has a different hue of it a different color of it a different aspect some is more relational some others are psych are psychological some are financial some are cultural some are uh, are experiencing a variety of those things in various capacities suffering is what we should expect in this world and here's the thing if we're not if we don't think suffering is to be expected then everything then every time we experience it it's going to feel like a surprise and we're going to feel like something odd is happening and we're going to try to find some explanation I, as i prayed earlier part of the unease of this isolation and of the pandemic everything is changing so quickly and everything is happening so um, um, in, in such isolation that the unease that that creates makes me think there's a problem in every aspect of my life so I have this unease and I don't know where that's coming from I have this sense of of, uh, of anxiety and I think oh it must be Becky my wife must be my kids it must be church people it must be it must be my body or my phys physical thing and i'm trying to find a solution for the unease that i'm experiencing and none of none of that none of my solutions none of my uh problem solving with is true the the, it, the suffering i'm experiencing with the unease and the isolation that psychological anxiety is just simply because of the of the struggle that we're in with the pandemic in me, in most cases it, and but i'm trying to find a solution for that in my relationship i'm trying to find a solution for that in my physical physical well-being i'm trying to find a solution to that unease through circumstances when when in reality um 
it's no surprise that when we're in a time of suffering that we would feel a sense of anxiety. So what should we expect in this world? Not, it, we shouldn't expect things to go well. We should expect things to go in a time of suffering. What else does it say they happen in verse 33? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. So what should, what's another thing we should expect when we're struggling in this world? You should expect insults. You should expect to be persecuted. That's, that's natural. That's normal. That's not unusual. So if you're not being insulted and you're not being persecuted, that's the surprise. That's the unusual thing. What's normal? Insults. Look at verse 33, the end of verse 33. That you were sometimes, you were publicly exposed to insult and at other times you stood by, side by side with those who were, who were also being treated this way. In other words, if you're not being insulted, someone you love is being insulted and persecuted and you're standing with them shoulder to shoulder. That's a normal thing. That's the nature of the life that we live. Suffering, insults and persecution directed at you or directed at people you love. Along with that, there's a sense where the, the, the gospel calls us to a, a, the normal life. The normal life is that if you're not experiencing insults, that you're, that you're finding people to stand side by side with in their insults and in their persecution, in their hardships. So if you're not experiencing suffering yourself, the, the gospel says, the, the call of the church is, I'm standing with others who are experiencing it. So, it, so almost as, it's almost as if we're, we're, we're called, well, it is exactly as if we're called to live the life of suffering either in my own life or in the lives of the people around me for the sake of bearing their burdens, bearing my own load. Look at verse 34. Verse 34 says, you sympathize with those in prison sympathizing with people in prison so a part of what is happening part of what goes on in our world part of what we should expect is that people are going to people are going to be imprisoned and we're going to need to provide care and love for those in prison we're going to need to reach out to them often you know often when people are in prison and i don't know about your house but sometimes my own house feels like a prison right now um and uh and and uh and i'm you know i'm i don't know if i'm the guard or the or the person imprisoned i don't know who's guarding the prison um, whether it's becky or me or my kids or, or somebody else but there's a sense where when we're in a prison we that's such an isolating thing but what the gospel calls us to in reality is to sympathize with the person in prison to sympathize and the same word there for sympathize is the same word that we saw earlier in the book of hebrews when it says that jesus in his high priestliness in his humanity he sympathized with our weaknesses that's the nature of what Christ calls us to. And part of what we should expect, people going to prison. People sympathizing with people going to prison. And then lastly, in verse 34, it says, you sympathize with those who are in prison and you joyfully accepted confiscation of your property. In other words, part, uh, part, here's another aspect of what we should expect in a world that's full of suffering is you're going to be unfairly treated. You're going to, you're gonna be, your, your possessions are going to be at risk. Your money is going to be at risk. Your reputation is going to be at risk. Your, all the things that you hold dear in this world are likely to be at risk and in an unfairness. There's a friend of, friend of uh, Becky and I who, who, uh, is, uh, who often reminds her children, you are, you know, life is not fair and you are not special. 
And what she means by that isn't to, isn't to suggest she's not trying to instill in her children a sense of self-loathing, but what she's trying to instill in her children is this very principle. Life is unfair. We live in a world where there's brokenness and there's an unevenness and there's a lack of justice in this world and that because of that, we're going to be exposed to that and that's going to hit us directly. And when she tells her children that you are not special, meaning you don't get exempt from that experience just because you're gifted and loving and you come from a loving home and you have, you have skills and abilities. Everyone experiences the unfairness and the suffering. So when we are in this difficulty, when we are struggling with the sufferings that are mentioned here, how do we respond? How do we respond? What does the author tell us? Look at verse 32. Verse 32 starts off right away. Here's where, here's where I was telling you he evokes not just their memory of what happened and of the suffering. He says, remember. Part of the way that we struggle through, the part of the way that we live through and we respond to suffering is we remember, and not just remember that it happened, not remember th- that we were in suffering, not, we just don't remember. The key is that, that we don't just call to mind how bad things were and how, or how bad things are. He says, to the, he says to, the, to the people, the way to respond to suffering is remember how faithful God was during those times. Remember, we're here But we got here because God was faithful in those times of suffering. He cared for us and provided for us and was was gracious to us and loving to us and embracing and remembering of us in those moments. Remember the work of his grace, the work of his faithfulness, that we have a a history. And the scriptures are full. Part of the reason he's written down these stories and given us these experiences is that we we have a concrete we have a concrete ink on paper experience history with how God has been faithful. That he doesn't leave us, to, and, and in a sense, he doesn't leave it, leave it to the feebleness of our brains and of our memories because often our memories are very powerful, but they often leave out a good bit as well. And we like to remember things, you know, in a particular spin. We put our own particular spin on it. And what God says is in his word, no, no, let me tell you how it went. Let me remind you how it went. And the way it went in the times of suffering, God was always faithful. He was always with his people. He always provided. The second thing he tells us in verse 34. So remember, how do we respond? We remember God's faithfulness. Verse 34, he tells us, um, uh, you sympathize with those in prison and you joyfully accepted confiscation of your property because how did you respond because you knew how do we respond in times of suffering by knowing knowing what what did they know what they were knowing at that point we remember we know something what do we know in this context he they were he they were encouraged they could live through the suffering is because they knew that their possessions in heaven were greater than their possessions that were being taken Everything that you hold dear in this life is fading away and is of, and is of no, no comparison to the riches, to the possessions that God says he has for you and he gives us that are lasting and will never fade, will never spoil, will never rot in heaven. He says those possessions and when we know, when we linger on the idea, when we, when we trust, when we embrace the idea that those treasures in heaven are greater than the treasures here, that those possessions which cannot fade are better and more substantial than the current things, then what we have here can be given away. 
whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's house, car, clothes. That's why, that's why it, the commands of Jesus are always telling us to give, give what we have away. Be generous in that capacity because he's always loading back into our lives greater and greater things currently, but then down the road. So we remember, we know, and then verse 36. What's another key to our response in times of suffering? Verse 36 says, if I can read where 36 is, where did I find it? Oh, you need to persevere. How do we persevere? So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what was promised. Verse 36. Was that 36? Oh, verse 35 then is what I really wanted. So do, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. We have confidence. We remember. We know. Confidence in what? Confidence in the promises of God. Confidence that, that suffering is not the end of the story. Confidence that what God says will actually be brought to bear in our lives. When we put our confidence in that capacity. And then verse 37. What's the other aspect that leads us to a sense of, of uh, hopefulness? A sense of perseverance in the midst of sufferings? For just... For, it says in verse, verse 37, for in just a little while, for in just a little while. The writer of Hebrews is reminding, reminding the people the suffering that you're experiencing is only temporary. And it's only little while. Now he's telling this to people who were genera generationally being oppressed. It wasn't like a two weeks sequester which could turn into eight. I don't know how long this is going to last. The, un the uncertainty of that is part of what is so, is so burdensome in our experience. And sometimes the difficulties that we face in job loss or in financial crisis or in disease or in death or in grief. Lord, th there is there's a sense where we look at those moments and we go, when will this come to an end? And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, everything this side of heaven is short. Everything this side of heaven is just a little while. Everything this side of heaven, everything this side that we're experiencing, no matter what kind of suffering it is, it is of a limited fashion that God has, it, that God has ordained, that He is managing. It is only temporary. And we don't want to get, we don't want to uh, gather uh, eternal truths from temporary circumstances. It's only a little while. And then we move on. But here's the thing with these different aspects. Remember, knowing, putting our confidence, trusting in that it's a little while. There's, this is all the same thing. Remembering is about putting my faith in something that I know is true. Knowing, he says, is putting my faith. Knowing is just another word of putting my faith in what God is actually accomplishing. Confidence is about faith. Putting my confidence in something is putting my faith, putting my trust. What he's saying, how do we overcome suffering? How do we live through a time of suffering? By trust, by faith. Faith, 
and not just in the str- not not in the strength of my faith not in not in the not in the ability of my faith because your ability to trust in these things your ability to remember your ability to know your ability to have confidence your ability to believe that it's only temporary all of those abilities are of you have no power to do that it's never in our in the strength of our faith it is only ever in the object of our faith the object of our faith is Christ and when we put our faith in him, it is, not, it is not my faith that makes that work. It's that his faithfulness is what makes that work. And that he is not going to let go of me even if I let go of him. He is not going to surrender me to the suffering even though I might surrender all of my ability to believe. Even though I lose faith in those prospects. But remembering, knowing, confidence in that short term. And then keeping in mind, keeping in mind that in the end... It says in verse 31 when we began, it is dreadful thing to fall into the hands of, of the living God. There's a sense where that section of, that, of the scriptures is saying when God comes, he's going to make things that are unjust, just. When he, he's saying that in that capacity, don't forget that God is not, he is not forgetting the suffering that's going on. He is not forgetting the unjustness or the injustice. He is not forgetting the unfairness of what we're experiencing and he's going to bring equity He's going to, as it were, and he says in Proverbs, that all the years that the locusts have eaten away, I will repay. I will restore all the years the locusts have eaten away. A natural phenomenon of nature eating away at crops and eating away at finance and eating away at comfort and ease, eating away at livelihoods. What he's saying, what what the scriptures are saying in that is that God is a God who who has come to make everything equitable according to his design. And so in the times of suffering, we can know, is anyone paying attention to this pain? Is anyone, does anyone care that I, about the, the struggle that I'm facing? Yes, God cares. And he has come to bring equitable restoration to a world that is broken. And so we put our faith in the object of what he's doing and trust that this is a simple temporary time and that he will make all things restored to their proper place let's pray thank you father for what you're doing in your world and that you promise us you you call us to let all goods and kindred go this mortal life also the body they may kill god's truth abideth still his kingdom is forever well your kingdom goes on and on I pray that we might live in light of your kingdom and trust in the object of our faith, who is Christ, who endured such great suffering for the sake of your people and for the richness of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.